0: Please turn to John 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, 15 through 19. If you're visiting, we are finishing not this week, but next week, a series that was called, uh, has been called uh, to Easter and Beyond. And since Easter, we've been looking at all the post resurrection appearances of Jesus and what it was like to encounter the risen Christ and what he said and the difference that those encounters and those words make in our life today. This is the third appearance of Jesus after His resurrection. And so let's read from the Word of God. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love Me more than these? Yes, Lord, He said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. And again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time, He said to him, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. We are here to worship God and we're here for the special occasion of the installation of Brad Mercer as an assistant pastor in this church but Brad, after all the questions that you have faced in Presbytery about purity of doctrine, very important questions. The questions that you have faced about uh, living out the theology that we espouse as a minister of the gospel, Jesus simply adds this one. Do you love me? Do you love me? And this question is a question, of course, that Jesus is asking each one of us today as the resurrected Christ. Do you love Me? Now this was originally addressed to Peter in this third post-resurrection appearance of Christ. You know, Jesus had been crucified and and then He appeared to uh, the women. He appeared to the disciples on the Emmaus Road. He did appear to Peter. Um, and He's appearing to Peter. But um, they've gone home. They don't know where this is going. This is before Jesus took them out to that high place uh, on the Mount of Olives and, and said, be My witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and, and ascended. This is before the Holy Spirit, of course, came down on the believers gathered at Pentecost, empowering them for a world endeavor of the Gospel that still continues to 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 go forward today and even in this church today. And they just went home. And they had to make a living. And so, they are fishing again. Peter, James, and John. And uh, they have been out all night, we learn in the text. And it's getting to be morning and the Sea of Galilee is not rough in the mornings normally. And so... You can kind of see just kind of a placid sea of Galilee and mist rising up off the water. They're 100 or so yards away from shore, and there's a, a figure on the shore. They can't quite make out who it is, but they can hear very clearly his question Have you caught anything? No. And the person on the shore says this throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find something. Some. Now that's major deja vu right there. Because, you know, the last time they heard somebody say, drop it on this side of the boat, that was Jesus in the boat with them and when they dropped the nets in the place they weren't supposed to catch fish because Jesus said the nets were filled to bursting and the boats were sinking and it was this great miracle of the, of the catch. And they did, and they were unable to, uh, to carry. It. They put out the, the nets on the right side, like this stranger says, and, and the fish just jumped into the nets, and they're unable to haul it in. Now, we know it's so interesting, isn't it, that there were 153 fish in the nets that day? That's one of the little details in the gospel. There's 153 fish. And, uh, as John and, and Peter are working together on this boat, John realizes the one whom Jesus loved, the one writing this gospel, he realizes that it's Jesus. And he says to Peter, it's it's the Lord. And do you know what Peter does? Peter doesn't have a discussion. Peter doesn't say, yes it is, how wonderful for the Lord to appear. Peter just puts his clothing right and immediately jumps into the water and he's like swimming Olympic style you know, a hundred yards to the shore. He, he loves Jesus so passionately and with such zeal. And His love just causes Him to spring out of the boat. He is not waiting for the others to catch up with Him. He is going to be with Jesus on the shore. And we read in John chapter 21, verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, and they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards and when they landed listen to this, they saw a fire of burning charcoals with fish on it and some bread. In verse 12, Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." I mean, isn't this beautiful? Jesus appears. Peter realizes, he springs out of the boat. He's there. they come. And, and just the, the love, the welcome, you know, the hospitality. Come and have breakfast. You've been fishing all night. The smell of that Jesus-cooked fish. It must be good, you know? The Son of God. The smell of that Jesus-cooked bread right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it is so wonderful. And it says in the text that none of them dared ask Him, Who are You? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and He took bread and He gave it to them. And He did the same with the fish This is now the third time Jesus appeared to His disciples after He was raised from the dead. How wonderful. This this picturesque sense of of just the the kind of intimate love and and, and reach of Jesus. The familiarity. These these are my guys. I love them And, and the breakfast on the beach. But Peter is going to have to face Jesus. After breakfast. But I'll, y'all, Peter loved Jesus. And I want you to know, that is why he jumped out of that boat. And after breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and he asks him, asks him this now famous question three times. Do you love me, Simon? And there are two things that I want us to see from this text. And Brad, these are especially for you on this, this special day The first is is that we love the one who forgives us. In our lives, that's who we really love, is the one who forgives us. And, And secondly, we show our love to the ones we love by serving. We love the one who forgives us, and we show our love by serving. The first is this idea that we, and I would say naturally, love the one who forgives us. Peter. Hearing Jesus say, We're going up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man's going to be handed over to the chief priests, to the Gentiles. He'll be flogged, he'll be killed, he will rise on the third day. No! No! This isn't going to happen. You know, Peter is right there, and, and then Peter steps forward and he says, I am not only willing to go, I am willing to go, and I am willing to die. I don't know about these other people, but I am willing to die. Well, fast forward to the upper room. Jesus is instituting the Last Supper. Jesus says, and one of you is going to betray me. Well, it is Peter, again, who, who basically says, says this, maybe them, but not me. No, even if all others reject you, Lord, I will never betray you. And Jesus stopped and He looked at Peter and He said, yes, you will. In fact, you'll betray me before morning. Before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. Peter didn't believe that. And then it happened. Jesus was arrested. Peter was in stark terror. Everybody was scampering. Everybody's running, except for the women. the women are always the brave ones in the gospels. Are they not? The women are at the cross, and you know, John's there. The rest of them are hiding behind a rock somewhere watching this. But Peter is, is scampering and, and he's afraid and, and all this is happening with the rest arrest and where they're taking Jesus. And so Peter goes to the court of the priest and he's warming himself by the fire. He's terrified, he's trying to stay low, and people start identifying him. A little girl says, You're you're one of those people. You're with you're with him. No, I, I uh uh-uh. uh I'm not one of, I'm not one of his people. You're, you're, no, no, no. You're one of, that's one of his people. That's a Galilean. Three times, and finally, Peter, and he just ramps up every time, says, I have never met that man. I don't even know him. And right then, the rooster crowed. Now, if you'll turn to Luke 22:60, hidden in this little account of Peter is just how devastated. Peter's heart is by his betrayal of Jesus, the one who said, I'll never betray you. I, I don't know about these other people. These other people I'm with, I'll be the one. And it has to do with the fact that right as the rooster crowed, Jesus is being taken through that area and he actually has eye contact with Peter right after the betrayal. Oh my. Luke twenty two sixty. 60, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. I mean, have you ever seen this? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine how Peter felt when Jesus looked straight into his eyes right after his third betrayal? And we read... Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And it says that he went outside and wept bitterly. Can you just see Peter wailing outside the court of the priests alone? I cannot believe what I have done. I have betrayed my Lord. I am such a coward. I will never recover from this. Well, back to our text. This is actually the second time that Peter had seen Jesus. We know this because if you were with us last week, it was the road to Emmaus. And when He appeared to those people on the road to Emmaus going back to their home, they, they when they recognized Him in the breaking of bread, they ran back to Jerusalem and they talked to the, the eleven. And I want to read to you from Luke 24, 33. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem there they found the eleven, Judas now missing, now gone. And the, the eleven and those with them assembled together. And the eleven and those with them were saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and He has appeared to Simon. And then they said, Yes, and we, He appeared to us on the road. Now, we don't know anything about, from Scripture, that encounter, but this is what we believe we know. That Jesus forgave Peter in that encounter. And the reason we know that is when John says, it is the Lord, Peter didn't go, oh no. (laughs) He jumped out of that boat. And he swam because you love the One who forgives you. Now, this is definitely true in our lives. Now, Hollywood, other media make us think that love's kind of this quick and intuitive thing that just kind of strikes us like a bolt of lightning. And it's so powerful, it can overcome anything. And, you know, it's just so intuitive and so feeling oriented. There are definitely feelings associated with love, don't get me wrong. But you know what? Love is lived and real love is lived in the in the reality of the sun coming up and going down and and two sinners learning to love one another. And, and even with your friends, if you hang around anybody for any length of time, you're going to transgress them. Because you can't help it. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And, and one of the incredible things about relationships is this, is that... You transgress somebody. You say something that you shouldn't have said that hurt them. You did not do what you should have done or you did something to them that absolutely hurt them. And they forgive you. And it just, does it not? It just draws your heart to that person. We are, we are more loyal to the people in our lives who love us because they've demonstrated forgiveness toward us than anybody else would run through a wall for somebody that actually loved us enough to forgive us and keep loving us now i remember when gene and i were first married um, i really appreciate her because she has consistently forgiven me for 21 years and uh, trust me there's been lots to forgive And I remember uh, we were in about our second month of marriage, and um, it's one of the really hard things about being a pastor, to be honest with you, because we were in our adjustment period, you know what I mean? You know, we're trying to find in the range with each other, and um, we were on our way for me to teach a Bible study of singles. So there's like 60 singles in this living room, and we're having... A discussion. We want the preacher to say he's having a fight with his wife on the way, and I, we're, we're pulling up in front of the house where wonderful Pastor Wheat's going to go deliver the word of God to these people. And I'm telling you, it, it's getting pretty heated in this discussion in the car right before I'm going to go teach the word. I mean, you just hate it, you know. And uh, in fact, uh, on the, on, in the early service, somebody said, "Well, I'm so glad you said that. We had a fight on the way to church this morning too." <laughs> <laughs> But you'll see this gets redemptive. And and, you know, I just got mad and I just got irritated and I just flung out some hurtful words to Gina. And as soon as they left my mouth, I thought, Oh no, this could be weeks. (laughs) That's how bad it was. And she looked at me. And it was like, I'm going to say about a minute or two. I don't know, I wasn't counting by my, you could count by the heartbeats, I guess, you know. But um, she didn't say anything. I'm like, she's going to fire one back at me. She's building an atomic weapon right now. (laughs) She didn't say anything. But I forgive you. I'm going to tell you, I started crying right then and there. To be married to somebody big enough to take my ugly sin and to just forgive me. You know, um, I'd run through a brick wall for somebody like that, wouldn't you? It's one thing to enjoy somebody's company. It's another thing to absorb, just take it, eat the wrong they have done and turn and offer grace and forgiveness. You see, that's what Jesus did for us. One of the biggest ways you'll know whether you love somebody is simply this, that you're willing to forgive them. You want to know in your life who you love? It's the people that you've forgiven. You want to know the people in your life that you are struggling with to love right now? It is precisely the people that you have not forgiven or you have chosen not to forgive. We love the people that forgive us. Brad... Jesus shows us his love by forgiving us. He he took our sin. He absorbed the horrible consequences of the sin. And he forgives us. He forgives you. And he's asking you, Brad, this morning, out of that, do you love me? And I know your answer is yes, Lord. One of the reasons you love him is because he has forgiven you. Let me tell you a little secret about pastors. Pastors are weird people, okay? little secret is, shepherds, pastors are sinners. They have to live the Christian life just like you do, by faith and repentance. They've got to live it every day. And, and Brad, I would just encourage you and, and all of us, that one of the, the great things about being a believer is to be able to live in these incredible resources of the gospel of grace and to know that you are forgiven so much, everything, and then be able to turn as a forgiven person and literally forgive someone else. There are parables about that that we don't have time to to talk about, but that is a dynamic. And what happens is, is we just love Jesus more when we realize more deeply His sacrificial love and what that forgiveness really means. And we just have bonds of love with people that are very difficult to break. When we live out of that Gospel and extend forgiveness to other people and we love deeply when we are forgiven. So the first thing is we love the One we forgive. That's why Peter jumped out of the boat. That's why he's not hiding in the boat from Jesus. He's been forgiven. He can't wait to be with Jesus. He loves Jesus. But secondly, we not only love the one who forgives us, we show our love to the people we love by serving. I love the play, and, and many of you, most of you I think have seen this play, Fiddler on the Roof, and there was a movie as well. I love Tevia, I like the play better in the movie, to be honest with you. And I love the, the songs and and each of these little scenes. You know, it's, it's just a preacher's wonderland. You know, There's so many... Um, illustrations that can come from that. But I particularly like in the in the play Fiddler on the Roof when Tevia, who is the main character, you know, he's kind of the, the head of this little village of, of Russian Jews and the whole world is changing and shifting around him and that change has come into his family and his daughters are falling in love with people they shouldn't and all this other stuff. And he's got all these thoughts going on in his head because it's all been based on what? Tradition. And now he's having to think outside that box a little bit. And in this wonderful scene, Tavia asks his wife, Golda, this question. He sings that I want. not Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, you got to understand, their marriage, he explains our marriage was arranged. He didn't meet Golda until the day he married her. And they would had kids and all this. And he, and he comes back and, and he says, do you love me? And she answers him and she does not answer the question. She says, what do you mean? I have cooked your meals for 27 years. I've washed your clothes. I have raised our kids. And I love this one. I have milked your cow for 27 years. And you ask me if I love you? But Teddy is not going away. He sings again. Yes, Golda but do you love me? And she goes and sits down and, and she finally says to him, I believe I do. And he sits down next to her and says, I love you too. And that little tagline at the end is after 27 years, it doesn't change a thing, but it's nice to know. And the scene is over. Now, let me tell you, that is not like the most steamy romance scene in the history of cinema. We think, how dysfunctional for somebody to not say they love somebody for 27 years. And sure enough, that's dysfunctional. Please don't try that in real life. But, as dysfunctional as it is, we could learn something from that. Because, I love you, the words are easy to say. But I love you, the sacrificial love over years is much harder. You'll know whether you love somebody if you want to give to them. You'll know whether you love somebody if you want to sacrifice because they are more precious than you. Now, keep in mind, we're always going to struggle with our selfishness every day. We're going to have victories and defeats in this process. But love is about sacrifice and this is why jesus says this to peter peter do you love me yes lord i love you you know that i love you then feed my lambs then act like it is what he's saying now we can't get around the fact How can I say this? We can't get around the fact that we already know this in our lives right now. I mean, here's the the truth about me and you. We already sacrifice for the things we love and the people we love. It is where our time, it is where our treasure, it is where our emphasis goes. I mean, I don't know what it is you love. A constructive thing would be to kind of sit down and ask, what is it that that I really do give my time, my money, my my passion? Maybe it is our football team, you know. Maybe it is our our hunting. Maybe it is our whatever. And none of these things are necessarily bad. But but look, what do you love? Who do you love? Now, with Jesus, we don't serve in order to be loved because love is not a list of requirements. And it is really bad form to simply hold a list of requirements over somebody for them to prove their love. It's kind of interesting because with Christ, we are loved through what He has done. And He does love us. And we are accepted and treasured. Therefore, we want to serve Him. That's how we show the fact that we are loved And you see, true love is a heart commitment that energizes us to service. Just like Jesus, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now Brad, you and I know something about ministry after these years. And I know you know it because I've talked to you about it. And it's simply this, that that guilt will get people moving And it'll get people moving fast. But it won't last. Because they'll get off the dime, do what you want them to do, and then their hearts are right back to it. Isn't it great that Jesus is saying, don't use guilt. They're my sheep. You love me? Love them, Brad. Feed them the Word. Teach them my love. And by my Spirit, let me motivate them from the inside out for Jesus to be, for my Son to be preeminent in their lives. One scholar states, love makes sacrifice a privilege. Service an honor. Suffering a joy. Simon, do you love me? And he asked this three times. And we read in the text that the the third time he asked it, it hurt... Peter's feelings. Because he asked it a third time. Now some of that is, is the Hebraism of that. You know, God is holy, holy, holy. When you say something three times, it's kind of like the nth. But it also corresponds to three denials. And we know that Peter is forgiven because if, if Peter were not forgiven, this would be utterly devastating to Peter. And it's not Peter just stands and he says, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And the third time he says, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Peter is told how he is to show that love. And it's really fascinating. There's all these differences in some of the words in the, the, the Greek text. Um, One of them has to do with the words for love that we won't go into today, but it's really fascinating. But it is fascinating when when he asks Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. He says three different things to him. First he says, feed my lambs. Then he says, feed a shepherd my sheep. Guide, guard, do all the things a shepherd should do for a sheep. And then he says, feed my dear sheep. We were talking, Brad and I were this week, and talking a little bit about ministry, and he was telling me the story of a very popular preacher in our culture who was asked the question, does the context of your sermon, meaning who you preach it to, does that matter at all? And this man said, no, it doesn't matter. The Word of God is the Word of God, and you just dispense it. I'm going to tell you, that is not what Jesus is telling Peter. Because Jesus is not only telling Peter to feed with the Word of God. Jesus is saying, you don't just feed. There are three different types of people. And you are to shepherd them and you are to know your sheep and you are to love your sheep. You are to tune into your sheep. You are through ruling elders to arrange for the personal care. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name. And they know my voice. And I know what every one of my sheep needs. Now you, Peter... Sacrifice, love, give, take care of my sheep. First Peter five two says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, just as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager. To serve. We love the one who loves us. Who forgives us, rather. We love the one who forgives us. Peter jumps out of that boat because he loves Jesus. You too, you also, love the ones who forgive you. In the name of God, out of the rich resources of the gospel, forgive, forgive, and it will foster love. Minister out of the forgiveness of Jesus, first and foremost. We love the ones who forgive us. But then secondly, we show love by serving. And not just to Brad, but to all of us. sacrifice for others for the sake of Christ and for the growing and the deepening and the strengthening of of those bonds of love as well. And so I ask that question one last time of each of us, of myself. Jesus asking it, not me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you move our hearts wherever they are? Would you sort us, shake us, Would you help us to remember the depths of forgiveness, the wonders of grace? Would you cause us to have a willingness and a desire to serve you because we love you? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.